Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here at the start of another week as we gear up for the start of the regular season. The Bucks have had one preseason game, and just a little note here for the listeners if you're tuning in on a Monday morning, as you uh, may normally do, we did have a podcast on the weekend. I said last week on Friday I probably wouldn't do it, but then the Bucks were playing, and Frank has been working a lot. Frank Madden, the, the co host here on this show, and so I said, yeah, Frank, let's talk some basketball. He was keen to come on. So we did a little post-game pod yesterday. So if you missed that, you can go back and uh, listen to you know, our thoughts, our th- thoughts on the first run for the Bucks. Uh, before we get into today's show, it is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Uh, on today's show, I'm going to be joined by my regular Sunday guest in just a second here. The co-host, I should say. The other things we want to talk about, uh, Bud, post-game yesterday, really hinted to a, a change in, uh, let's say, a transition defensive philosophy, I guess. So we're going to touch on that as we move on. And then we'll talk about Giannis a little bit because I'm seeing a trend on social media that's surprising me a little bit. And I gave some thoughts on Giannis late last week, uh, but we will get to that in a little bit here. If you are listening for the first time, you can find me on Twitter at Kane Pittman and my work over at ESPN. And joining me today, like I said, as he does every Sunday, my regular co-host as we uh, typically watch the Packers game and then sit back and talk a little bit of Bucks basketball, the host of the Bucks Radio Network is Justin Garcia. How you doing, man? I am. Uh, I'm doing good. And, and today it was a mixture of what the Packers and uh, a, a lot of intrigue around the Brooklyn Nets and seeing the debut preseason or not of Steve Nash and just the pairing of Kyrie and uh, KD. Yeah, it's funny. We were texting when we were trying to figure out what time we were going to record this. And I said, look, I've got the Packers on in the background. I've got the Nets game on. I want to just watch the first quarter here. And I didn't actually realize that Russell Westbrook and uh, yeah, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal weren't even playing. And neither was Bertans, actually. So it took me about three seconds to realize that this isn't really a game I'm that interested in. KD got a few buckets. I'm like, okay, I've seen enough. And I turned it off. And here we are now recording this. But I have to say, I'm a little bit jealous of you. I was following your social media yesterday. I was watching your photos, watching your videos. And as part of your job on the Bucks Radio Network, you were in the arena. And even if I was in Milwaukee right now and I wasn't in Australia, I would not be allowed in the building. Your print media or, or I guess, uh, you know, journalists uh, are not in the building. But radio and TV broadcasts are. So I've got to ask right off the top. I don't, and I don't know where you want to start from a game perspective, from your job perspective. Uh, what was the day like? Because this is even more so than the bubble. This is very, very strange. Um, the whole thing was strange because th- there were minor tweaks that uh, I mean would just bore people that you would you would understand, but um, there were minor tweaks to the usual routine 
that we had to go through. But there were some major overhauls as well in how the building is basically laid out now. Where in the past, you know, we had free reign to go almost anywhere and uh, freedom to just come and go as you choose. Well, now uh, it's a little more regimented. The building is basically sectioned off into quadrants and you only have access to a specific quadrant. Uh, as far as I know, it's basically just coaches and some team personnel that have access to the level where the court actually is. I can't even get there. Once you get into the building, uh, they have it set up where, you know, we walk in, we get screened, we go through the metal detector, and then we're immediately basically ushered to the elevator, take it up a floor, go to the radio booth, and that's it. I mean, we can walk around the concourse, but that's as much access as we get. So that was kind of strange. Uh, I kept to most of the same schedule I usually would. And, you know, typically I, I would get to the arena around three hours or so before tip-off. And <laughs> what I found yesterday was, all right, um, I don't know if I'm going to have to do this really going forward because you get there, nobody's there. And you come to realize, you know, you would get there around the same time as well. A lot of the reason you would get there is you want to get set up before the coach speaks and before they open up the locker room so you're not scrambling. Uh, you can get the free meal as well. But just because the amount of people that are there that you can you know catch up with and maybe there's a national guy in town that you can have a conversation with, but that's the reason for getting there early. There was maybe, I don't know, 25 people in the building, non-players and, and coaching staff yesterday, which is up from what we had in the bubble but, you know, looking out and uh, seeing the empty seats and seeing how the upper level was completely tarped off, it was strange. And, you know, the strangest thing, I think, was uh, seeing all of those courtside seats gone and removed and how spaced out the benches were, similar to what we saw in the bubble. And, you know, how that spot right at the scorer's table where typically you would have a TV, you would have some of the Bucks media personnel there as well. That's just basically the scorekeeper. Uh, Eric Jensen was there, the PA announcer, and a couple of stats guys spread out into a couple of rows, and it's just wide open. So aesthetically, it was a little strange. Um, you know, once the game started, we're still in the same location. So my vantage point is still the same. And uh, I mean, it was also very nice when Giannis took that shot to the face and went into the locker room. I, I mean, I had prime access to see not only what was going on but see him going into the locker room and then see him returning as well so <laughs> you know once the game started it didn't feel as weird but the weird thing was following everybody that that we converse with on twitter and uh seeing things where you realize there is no one here like i legitimately have this access that nobody else has right now yeah, I must admit, that's always been a cool thing for me as well. Obviously, we know that, that we're at every home game, but it's also always fun to see you know, people that, that, that may follow me on Twitter or I follow them, different Bucks fans and where they sit and if they're at the game. That was always a fun part of it. So it has been kind of strange. And the fact that it was at Fiserv Forum, as I said, certainly felt like a different element to the bubble. It, it felt completely different that they were in Milwaukee and there were still no fans. And just even watching the video that I know you put up on, on your own personal social media, just walking around the concourses, because we've been there for preseason games before, and certainly the crowds are smaller. But even if you only have a crowd of five or 6,000, when you're walking around 
the building, there's a lot of people around and there's a lot of people, you know, having fun, you know, drinking beers, eating food, whatever it may be. The excitement for a game is still there. And it kind of was a little bit eerie when I was watching your videos to be in such a big building with so few people in there. The pregame press conferences with Bud and, um, and sort of the postgame stuff with players, it, you, even though you're in the building, you're still doing that via Zoom? Yeah. So, uh, and that felt weird to me too, because it's Bud in the typical interview room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just Bud where we see the backdrop, but it's basically just Bud in an empty room standing there. Whereas, you know, it was the same thing in the bubble where maybe uh, Dan Smichik or somebody else that was there from the team would be in the room with him. Uh, but it didn't feel as weird to see it happening in the bubble as much as it did knowing, okay, he's down in that room that we would typically be in right now, but he is alone. And just seeing the backdrop behind him and him standing there with no one in the room just felt strange. Well, at least there was no people in the building for that case because I probably would not want to be relying on arena Wi-Fi uh, if there was more people around. So maybe that's a bonus. Maybe that's a bonus. But just watching on TV to me, and you mentioned the fact that the courtside seats were removed, it felt like I was watching a stadium game. You know, if you're watching the Final Four, even though it's it's not that big, but on the broadcast, that's the feel that it had because in those stadium games, like you sort of mentioned, the, the, uh, the court sort of feels isolated, the benches are spread out. So that was the type of feel I thought that it had on the broadcast. And we're seeing different teams do different things. I know the Brooklyn Nets had all these like video boards set up. It almost looked like the bubble Barclays Center with the way that they had it set up. But we'll see what they do. And, you know, honestly, hopefully the fans are back in there uh, you know, at the halfway point in the season or, or whenever it is safe to do so. The, the question from an on-court perspective I've got for you that I'm really fascinated to hear is I, I know that they had the crowd noise that they're even you know, pumping in in the arena and on the broadcast. I thought it was fine, but did you hear anything? Was there any interactions, anything that stood out to you from watching the game yesterday? You could pick up a little more, and uh, I, I had even tweeted too, the best part was, all the emphatic screams and whenever anything is called against Brooke Lopez, I mean, I could hear that crystal clear. It was mostly any uh, defensive, uh, defensive calls from Dallas in the first half. I remember hearing when they were on the same side that we are, where we're technically um, leaning more towards one of the sides, kind of at midcourt, but um, more so, and I don't know if it's North or South, but more so on one of those sides. So we looked directly at the opponent bench you could pick up more from them. Um, but whenever anybody would get fouled or yell something, you could definitely hear it clear as day what was said. All right, coming up this week on Locked On Bucks, the Bucks still have a couple of preseason games to run out here, including on Monday night. Uh, this is going to be at Fiserv Forum, a 7 p.m. tip again against the Dallas Mavericks. So the Mavericks are just hanging out in Milwaukee for a couple of days. It's a strange setup in the 2020 season, but I'm sure we will get used to that. But we're going to talk about that game. We'll be able to recap that and bring a post-game pod there. And then we'll continue to roll through the weekend with media availabilities. Uh, it still feels like kind of training camp, even though I guess that's over, but we'll continue to get to know some of the new faces on the Bucks. So we're going to roll through that all on the show this week. As far as this preseason game went, and you know, Frank and I pointed to this on yesterday's show, there's only so much that you can take from watching what you're seeing on the court specifically. But I thought there was an interesting comment post-game 
from Bud. And the question, which I, I thought it was a really astute pickup from Zora Stevenson, it was something that was, that was kind of noticeable, but it was uh, a great question to ask. The offensive rebounding, and in particular from the guards and wings on this team, hasn't always been something that the Bucks have focused on. They've, they've really been regimented in trying to get back in transition defense, but they've added two players, Drew Holiday and Torrey Craig in particular, who are extremely good on the offensive glass. Now, Bud has said that he's given the guys a little bit of a more, a little bit more of a green light to hit the offensive glass this season. They ranked 25th in offensive rebounds per game last year with 9.5. Now, they only had 10 yesterday. It's not a huge jump, but two each for Drew Holiday and Torrey Craig. And this is fascinating because if you look uh, via cleaning the glass at their offensive rebounding percentage, Drew Holiday, it's at 3.6, but that's in the 85th percentile for players in his position. It's a, it's a high number. He's a guy that will be aggressive on the offensive glass. He's strong, and he likes to play that attacking style of basketball. We saw hints of that yesterday. Torrey Craig, for his position, is in the 97th percentile with an offensive rebounding percentage of 6.1. So I think if you're looking at this Bucks team, the one thing that we've said the whole way through, we want to see different wrinkles. We want to see changes in the game style where Bud potentially is more open to trying new things because we haven't seen that so much over the course of the first two seasons. It's been the same thing. They've got back in their transition defense. They're focused on stopping those points in the paint. That's how you do that. But I do think giving yourself an opportunity for second chance points and letting these guys do what they are naturally best at I think is is going to be a good move. The Bucks last year ranked 22nd in second chance points with 12.3 per game. Yeah, and you know I didn't even think of it until uh, afterwards, and, and until Zor brought it up either. And uh, I, I know it was brought up to Pat earlier today as well, where yeah. uh, Pat kind of you know, let a little bit slip with the uh, yeah. I mean, some guys Bud is more lenient on other guys. If you do it and you, you know, if you don't get the rebound, you better get back there in transition. So it seems like it's it's more a case-by-case basis, but at least showing the flexibility of saying, look, these guys can do it well. I'm going to allow them to do that. It, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with we talked about defensive versatility, and that was another thing that came up again uh, after the game yesterday and again today in, um, in some of what we heard from uh, guys after practice. But they're all things that we know this that this team has to do. And uh, look, I, I never thought there was going to be a move made to replace Bud with another coach. But you do ha- also have to understand there was likely a conversation that took place of we've tried this two years in a row. It works great in the regular season. We stop short in the postseason that we need to figure something else out. So the answer can't be just change a few of the players and we're going to do things the exact same way. It has to be a hybrid of both. And, you know, albeit preseason, we saw a couple of instances of that with the offensive rebounding and also some of the defensive versatility where you think about some of the pairings. And I know you already got into this, but I mean, we saw DJ and Bobby Portis on the floor together. We saw Giannis and Bobby Portis. We saw Brooke and Bobby Portis. We saw all the things we wondered, are we going to see this? We're going to need to see this. And we did. So you know, you can't take a ton away from the preseason, but at least so far, it's encouraging to see that it doesn't seem like we're going to get the same rigid nature. Yeah, and I think it isn't always important to remember, and Frank touched on this um, yesterday, that while we would have liked to have seen the Bucks have seemingly more of an ability to go to a plan B, plan C in the postseason, that's not necessarily what we've seen. 
I don't think that, and, and nobody should expect that they need to go away from what they've been doing entirely because they have had the number one defense in the league. What you need to be able to do is throw in, sprinkle in little wrinkles, do different things that makes you more difficult to play against in a seven-game series. So it's not about completely boycotting what you've done in the past. That's, that wouldn't be wise. That wouldn't be smart. And I think, again, when you're looking at what they're doing defensively in terms of job coverage, they're going to need to establish that with this new team and get used to playing that way. But if you look at the numbers last year, and this was the thing that stood out to me when I was just looking at some stuff this morning, they actually ranked 20th in the league last year for opposition uh, fast break points. So they gave up 13.6 per game, which was in the bottom half of the league anyway. And I think the, the interesting thing about having smaller guys or your guards or wings that crash the offensive glass is that you still give yourself a chance to say, Giannis, Brooke, get back. You can get back and we can slow down the transition with our big guys. But if Drew Holiday is the one that's crashing the offensive glass or uh, Tory Craig, these types of plays, then they're still going to have time to recover and get back. And that's kind of what Pat Connaughton joked about this morning when he was asked a similar question. He said, yeah, he goes, I know when I should crash the glass and I know when I probably shouldn't. And if I make a decision to do it at a time when I don't think Bud would be happy, then you'll see me get back on defense twice as fast. And he was kind of laughing about that. Um, but he did reveal and he gave way and said, uh, not only Drew Holiday and Torrey Craig, but everyone's been given more of a green light this year to add this to the game. And listen, we saw last year, and it felt like it was the same against Toronto, but specifically against the Miami Heat in the second round, it just felt like they were able to come up with offensive rebounds in the most critical stages that led to, as they often do in those scrambling plays, wide open threes or, or putbacks, you know, both. But those second chance points, particularly in playoff series when the games mean so much, they are backbreakers and they're so tough to overcome. And it just felt like the Bucks got crushed in that area and it was not something that they were trying to chase on their own. So I think that it should be something that, again, you don't completely bypass the uh, transition defense and completely walk away and leak uh, easy buckets down the other end. But I think it's something you've got to attack. They've got the personnel to do so. Yeah, and, and Dante's another guy that I think yeah. we could uh, put in that group where, you know, to go back to the, the main point that you were making too, and I think the big thing that people need to understand is we're not saying to deviate from what you do best. And, you know, we're not talking about a 50-50 split here. It's essentially the Bucks did plan A 99% of the time last year. Whereas we're saying, look, we want you to do that for a majority of the game. It just can't be 99%. That plan B, maybe, maybe we try that, let's at least start doing this 7% of the time and see where we go from there, that you have to develop these things. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're going to drastically overhaul uh, your offensive and defensive philosophy, but you need to have these other things to go to in the postseason. And, you know, that ultimately it was the chicken and egg theory where you needed to change something in the postseason. I mean, that became evident it last two years, right? But you're also kind of hamstrung because – you haven't worked on that in the regular season. So once you get to that place where the stakes are heightened, you kind of have to go with what got you there, where I realize this isn't working, but it kind of feels like you're opening yourself up for disaster to then drastically switch to something you didn't try during the regular season. So monitoring that is going to be imperative and seeing how much they change things. But they, they definitely have the personnel now where, you know, the more we've heard these guys talk and seen one preseason game, but just seeing some of the, the seeing some things from these guys and newcomers in years past too, 
the more I've really talked myself into the roster where we talk about they're a better team in the postseason, does that mean they've answered all their questions? At least not yet, no. But they're certainly set up better for the postseason. But the more you look at these guys, they're going to have a lot of different looks that they can put out there. So now it basically is up to Bud to figure out what's the mix here that we use and what are the minor tweaking that happens? I mean, rebounding has already come up that we talked about. Defense is something that's been hammered over the head by everyone, but I'm curious to see what some of these other looks are that they can throw out there. Cause we saw, I mean, granted we saw 16 guys play. So of course we're going to, but we saw some unique lineups and pairings yesterday. And I would assume that's going to continue throughout the regular season as well. Yeah. The one guy I always think of when I think about, this Bucks team and the talent that they have and the individual skill sets they have and perhaps those players not always being allowed within the system to kind of freelance and do what they want to do is Eric Bledsoe because we've heard in the last couple of years multiple times that Bud has said you know Bled's kind of one of those guys where he's so unique and talented defensively that I kind of let him get away with doing his own thing a little bit and, and that's not necessarily how a Mike Budenholzer team would run with these players because this is why the guy is such a great coach over the course of a regular season. And it's not to say he can't have success in in the postseason, but he is so regimented. His schemes are so rock solid that over the course of a regular season, you can get a team to play so consistently well that you don't sort of have the rises and falls that other teams have along the way. And that's why they win so many games. And that's why I fully expect they're going to be, again, one of the top seeds in the East this season. But... He has, with the switching, he mentioned it, and now I guess with the offensive rebound, Bud has sort of said, well, look, we have got guys that can do different things. They can do this. They can do that. Uh, Maybe we need to let them do that a little bit more. So again, it's not going to be going away from the bread and butter of what this team is made of, but it's just saying, okay, well, I've got Drew Holiday, one of the best offensive guards, uh, offensive rebounding guards in the league. Why don't I let him do that a little bit? Torrey Craig, his uh, offensive rebounding percentage is off the charts. Why don't I let him attack the glass a little bit? I think it's just smart. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to give up everything that you've uh, been doing over the last two seasons. And I fully don't expect them to do that. I want to talk about Giannis a little bit here. But before I do, we've got to hear about our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Uh, the listeners will know, and I've, I've got a kangaroo story at the end of this podcast, Justin, and the listeners will know. They were tweeting me. I, I was out hiking. They were asking whether I had the Built Bars, uh, and I absolutely did, of course, because it is uh, the best protein bar on the market. There's 18 amazing flavors. You can go the, the carrot cake, the German chocolate, peanut butter, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, whatever you want to get into, they've got it. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, uh, the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. And we've got a deal for you, of course. You know it. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're days away from the start of the NBA regular season, and this week on the Locked On NBA podcast, we are previewing every team division by division, get intel on each team, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Justin, it wouldn't be a Locked On Bucks podcast if we didn't talk about Giannis at all on this episode, so we need to do that now. And I mentioned it right off the top. On Friday's episode, uh, I went solo and I, I just, 
I just sort of gave a few thoughts about the whole situation with Giannis right now in regards to the extension and just the, I guess the feeling I'm starting to get from some Bucks fans or I'm seeing on Twitter or some of the dimensions I'm getting and that kind of stuff. It's very, very difficult and maybe impossible for a player to be in this situation and perhaps not make the decision to sign an extension and walk away anything other than a villain. I, I'm just not sure how that's possible. And I think we're starting to see that now with Giannis, who, let's be honest, one of the most loved athletes in Wisconsin over the last six years. And you can stretch that back as far as you want. I mean, the guys, we know he's a two-time MVP. He's brought so much entertainment and so much joy to so many people across Wisconsin. And yet... I'm already still seeing in my comments that even after yesterday in the post-game media availability that he did, that there seems to be this sense that he's already checked out or he's not interested or he's not emotionally invested in Milwaukee or this team. And I'm just not buying it. I'm, first of all, I'm not seeing that. I'm not getting that sense from him when we get a chance to talk to him. I watched him yesterday and yeah, he got elbowed in the face in the first two minutes, but then came back and had 25 and 10 in 20 minutes of basketball or thereabouts. I know that the fans are on edge and I know that they're looking to take a hint from every little tiny thing and they're trying to analyze everything that's going on right now. But I'm, not, I'm just not seeing a guy that's checked out or is not emotionally invested in Milwaukee. I, I don't know if I'm missing something. Are you seeing this? What are you, what's, your, what's your vibe from what we've seen from Giannis? Um, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I guess first too, I, I should also say shouts to Bill Barr because as, as we talked about, one of the big changes is no free meals at Pfizer Forum mm. this year. So... I was on my own, so I, uh, I did uh, pack a little kit of protein bars, including oh. some built bars. So I was set for the game yesterday. Um, no, I, and look, I, I wondered what the split was of people we would start to see turn on him if he didn't sign immediately and doesn't sign between now and the 21st, where I, it's still going to be an overwhelming majority of the fan base and of Wisconsin residents support Giannis and even so. worst case. Yeah. Well, I, I still believe that to be the case. Um, I just think what we have seen is oh, I'm with you where I think we're reading way too much into it, but I do wonder if we got a different message and I think you and I talked about this before, but if we just got the message of, and, and look, maybe he signs between now and the 21st and this is moot, but if we got the message from him when he talked last week of, I don't intend on signing between now and the 21st because it's such a big decision. I want to take the full year to evaluate. And you can say, you know, Milwaukee is still my preference, but don't expect the decision to come. I don't think we would see a lot of this. I think it, most of it, of where it is coming from in the minority is – just from people that are agitated with how this situation has been handled. And I, I mean, I go back to the whole, the, the options that Giannis is going to have in front of him. If I'm a superstar and we've seen how this league has moved and, you know, contracts are getting shorter and shorter and the contract is basically good for as long as the player wants it to be at this point. I mean, if you're Giannis, and this was one of the reasons why I didn't believe he would sign the extension in this offseason, and if he does, it's not going to be a five-year Supermax, is if you do that, I mean, look, we've seen how people have reacted to him not even leaving but just not committing yet. If you sign that for five years, you're setting yourself up to be the ultimate villain, where if things go south and 
you know, guys leave or the team starts to erode and it's just not performing at the same level as they have the last two years, you're the bad guy now because you're locked in for five years and you recognize this isn't working, I need to leave. Well, if you ask to be moved, you're the bad guy. Whereas if, if you keep a shorter-term deal and if you go with you know, two years and a player option or something like that, you're still holding the franchise accountable. And I think the narrative is a lot different even if he were to leave, whereas you can say, look, I wanted to be here. It just didn't work out around me, opposed to already committing to those five years. So I'm curious to see if he does sign the extension what the terms are in terms of how long it is and, and what the fan reaction is there because we've already seen people not handle it well and he hasn't even left, but what's it going to be like if he does commit to five years and it doesn't work out? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I will say this, that I think, and I've said this the whole time, you would love a five-year extension. Absolutely, you would love that. But I also think if you're a Bucks fan and he signs a one plus one, then you are still thrilled that he's given you a commitment because you know what? I think that the franchise deserves to be under pressure here. I think they deserve to keep their foot down and they deserve to have this threat of him leaving uh, over them for an extended period of time. And it's not necessarily Giannis holding anyone to ransom, but if he signs a five-year extension, I think the fans would be really excited about that because it gives them a chance to watch this superstar play on a nightly basis, you hope, for the next six years. But from a franchise, you don't get to take your foot off the pedal or think, well, we can take a deep breath now. That's, that's, not, that's not the case. Well, it, you have to it, remain... Yeah, I mean... You have to it's have that basically, urgency. Yeah, it's basically getting married and letting yourself go where right, right. you stop going to the gym because, hey, I've already got a wife. So, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no. I just, when I look at this and I, that's why, you know, even if you have a shorter extension, if things don't work out this year, then there's more pressure on, well, okay, what are you going to do? Get another player in there. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe in some aspects, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I think from Giannis, you know, purely financially, the reason why, the Supermax is there because he could lock himself into even more money. And yes, he can force a trade out. But like I said from the start, when you talk about the fact that if he signed a Supermax and then tried to get traded in a few years, he would be a villain. I mean, we're already seeing now. I mean, sports fans are emotional people. They get so invested in players and, and the success of their franchise. And in a lot of ways, I feel just... And uh, trust me, I'm someone that's watched the Bucks for, for you know two decades now, thereabouts. And I understand why it's a scarred fan base and they they don't want to see this guy leave but we're already getting a sense that you can't be in the position that he's in and walk away from the team and not be a villain it it might be harsh in some respects it might it might suck and suck for him because he's done so so much for this city and for this franchise but you that's the way it works that's the way the sports are sports fans are passionate so i just think it's really interesting but i do push back on the, the theory and the thoughts that he's got one foot out the door or he's not invested in his team. He's not built like that. That's not the way that Giannis is. And if he, he's here this season, which he's, he's going to be, he's going to be playing his absolute hardest and he's going to be trying to win a championship this year. I, I just don't agree with that. Well, and I mean, number one, if that were the case, he wouldn't have returned to the game yesterday. <laughs> Once you go to the locker room and have that done to you, you're probably, Giannis is not going to return. Um, and I mean, because we didn't hear from him after the game and because we haven't heard from him as much, I mean, we didn't hear from Giannis after every practice as it was when things were normal. I mean, it was, we would hear from him a couple of times a week, but it wasn't a daily occurrence. And I think part of it too, and is you look at other superstars, we don't hear from other superstars on a frequent basis. I think the one everybody would point to is LeBron James. 
And, you know, LeBron has basically addressed the media after every game and every practice the last two years. But let's also not forget the gaps between that. When, sure, LeBron has done this with the Lakers these last couple of years, and he did it at times early on in his career with Cleveland, but you weren't getting the same access to LeBron in the middle there. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the thing that I, I've said, particularly in this era now where we're doing the Zoom calls, that players can can get away with doing less. And I was shocked, to be honest, that he did speak after the game yesterday. I didn't expect that he was going to do so. We didn't hear from Drew Holiday. We didn't hear from Chris Milton. I mean, this is this is the way uh, things go now in 2020. So yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up. I'm just not sensing that, and I wanted, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm curious. Though. I mean, let me know. Like I said, you can hit us up anytime at Locked On Bucks if you think I am wrong. Why? Uh, what are you seeing? Why am I wrong? I'm just not buying that. But I did mention I'm, I'm back home now. I, I had a couple of days off and I didn't actually miss too much. My my fear was that I was going to, as soon as I left the house and was out of range or out of internet, that something crazy was going to go down. It wasn't the case. The craziest thing that went down is that we, we were under all out of salt from kangaroos at about 2.30 in the morning on Friday night. Uh, it was... You know, he was looking sketchy for a little while, Justin. We uh, we went to sleep. And listen, if you're, and this goes for anywhere, if you're camping anywhere, don't leave anything out that animals might like, okay? I mean, it, it's just common sense. And perhaps there's a chance, there's an outside chance that we may have had a few too many beers and just thought, you know, it's going to be fine. Let's just go to sleep. So uh, I, I woke up at about 2.30 and I was... Um, you know, in a tent by myself, I was facing one way and I opened my eyes and all I could hear was this like sniffing right next to the tent. And I was like, what the, I was like, what the hell is that noise? And then I rolled over and all I could see in right against the wall of my tent was a huge shadow of a kangaroo. And I was like, all right, well, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of weird. What's going on here? And then there was rustling, there was banging and crashing, there was chairs getting flipped. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, then my friend Polly uh, who some people who follow me on Twitter, Polly's boyfriend, my friend, uh, Matty Jones, he's the biggest Wisconsin sports fan of all time, apparently. He had a Bucks shirt on, a Wisconsin Badgers shirt on, a Packers shirt over the course of the weekend. I don't know, maybe maybe he's living a past life where he lived in Wisconsin. But anyway, she got up. She was terrified. There was kangaroos everywhere. They were into everything. Bottles of water. There wasn't even that much food. I, I don't know what these maniacs were doing, but they were huge. I actually think there's a chance there were dinosaurs dressed up as kangaroos. That's how big these things were. And they did not give a shit about us. They were not moving. So in the end, we had to, uh, uh, we found a way. We just made a lot of noise and uh, eventually they left the campsite. But it was carnage. It was absolute carnage at 2.30 in the morning. And um, just lucky to be alive. We'll say that. What, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the comp for us? Whereas a kangaroo is in your campsite or a kangaroo is right outside what would be the equivalent here? It's not like a, if a bear is out there, is no. it? No, no, no. It's definitely not like that. And to be fair, you, you know, like I wouldn't be afraid of kangaroos, but like all wildlife, I mean, you're not, you're not trying to piss them off and you're not trying to get up in there. In well, it's this. an animal. Yeah, you don't know what an animal's going to do, so. Yeah, I mean, and these kangaroos were as big as as big as me. I mean, they were they were, they were big fellas and they had like the, the little, the joeys were around in the, in the, in the little in the pockets there in the pouches so you know you just weren't looking to mess with those guys when they're trying to find some food and uh, everyone's seen the gifts kangaroos can kick you they can punch you they can they can mess you up a little bit so 
I wouldn't say it's a bear where I was automatically fearful for my life. I wouldn't go that far. I don't know what the comparison would be, but like all things, particularly at 2.30 when you've just woken up, you, you, don't, you don't need that. You don't need the campsite getting flipped up. So the next night, it's fair to say, we packed everything away pretty, pretty nicely and they didn't return. I thought you were going to say everybody's seen Kangaroo Jack, so they, they understand <laughs> yeah. what they're dealing with there. No, I, uh, as soon as I saw the photo, I already wondered, oh, man. So he is, uh, he is off the grid. Does this mean we have a Supermax extension that's coming where now it's going to be the day that we hear it? And I also like all the comments that you got from people stateside pointing out, man, so that's what it's like to be somewhat back to normal and around people and able to do things. Yeah, well, it was actually the first time I got away from um, the town I live in for the for the whole year or since I left Milwaukee and got back to Australia in March. So it was nice to, to get away for a couple of days. Although uh, that hike, I, I put a photo up. We were at the top of... Um, a mountain there in the Grampians in Victoria. And, and unfortunately, um, the, the walk that we were on, at about the time that we were on, a lady jumped over the, a railing to try and take a photo and actually uh, fell, had a bit of a fall, 100-meter fall, and, and that was the end of her. She was only 38. So it was um, you know, a nice reminder. Don't jump over the handrails to get a photo opportunity. It's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, wow. I did not anticipate the podcast to end there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, can, we can leave it there. I guess I should have just stuck with the kangaroo story, but I went a bit dark, so apologies for that. Um, probably no, I'm more curious uh, I'm more curious about your next rendezvous with whatever fan that, or friend that was of yours that was wearing the Stone Cold Steve Austin sweater. Well, he was with us. He was with us as well. He was actually wearing a Gary Payton Sonics uh, singlet, which uh, a few people on Twitter pointed out. Maybe that was... Um, you know, getting into to me and my friend there. It's not the not the most popular uh, jersey around, but uh, you know, he's he was there. He's still there. And the, the Stone Cold sweater. It's not it's not um, sweater weather over here in Australia. I'll tell you that right now. But um, I'm sure he will pull it out at some point. But it was a fun trip. It was good to get away for a couple of days. That was that was kind of my that was kind of my off season little getaway. And now uh, now I'm ready to go because, like I said, Bucks are back at it tomorrow. Mavericks again. Winning doesn't really matter, but it would be nice to see a win for sure. Yeah, and you know, I was kind of curious to what we would see in the preseason because you could make a strong case this is the most important preseason we've had, at least in recent memory, when camp has basically been a week and there's been no, you know, month long lead up that some of the guys have talked about where they're at least, you know, with each other playing five on five and getting up to speed. So I was kind of curious how we'd see this treated and if we would see at least the first half, you know, coached and played as if it was a regular season game. But uh, rather quickly, we learned, okay, nope, it's still the preseason. Yeah, it was a very preseason game, as I mentioned yesterday. We'll see. Like you said, only two games to go here. So maybe it will start to ramp up. Giannis and Chris around 24 minutes uh, yesterday. Normally, they would have a game off. I'm kind of assuming that's not going to be the case this year. But time will tell as they try and mix and match some of these new lineups in. Justin, uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you. And, and like I said, I'm a little bit jealous, but have fun tomorrow at the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's at least fun to be in the arena and to at least see basketball in front of you. As great as our setup was during the bubble, you know, you still drifted off and, and, and realized I'm watching a monitor, a computer screen of basketball being played in Orlando. So we at least have that in front of us now, which I can't complain with. And the best part about yesterday was, you know, for a 7 o'clock game, when it gets to 5.30, Eric Jensen, when we have the normal times, would always get on the PA and say, 
it's 5.30, the arena is now open, and you know, fans are entering the building. He did the same thing yesterday, even <laughs> though there's no fans in attendance. That's a nice touch. But we will be back tomorrow, post-game podcast number two for the 2021 season. Looking forward to that. Game tips off at 7 p.m. You should be able to catch that on Fox Sports Wisconsin and wherever else. And listen to Justin. Listen to Ted Davis on the radio as well if you aren't in front of a TV. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Like I said, straight after the game, we'll bring all the reaction from Bucks Mavericks. We'll speak to you guys then.